Welcome, market participants, to another Three Things in Credit. I'm Van Hesser, Chief Strategist at KBRA. Each week, we bring you three things in credit markets that caught our eye that we believe you should know about. As we head into the holiday week and the unofficial start to summer, we ask, will you sell in May and go away? If so, you may want to rethink. It's bound to be an interesting one. In any event, let's get started. This week, our three things are, one, it surprised us to find that bankers remain cautious in terms of their lending. We'll investigate. Two, Citi's economic surprise index just hit the lowest point since June of 2020, something hardly consistent with fears of overheating. And three, solar is on a tear. We'll check in with KBRA's head of consumer ABS to explain what you need to know about investing in solar from a creditor's perspective. All right, let's dig a bit deeper. We've always taken a shine to the Fed's Senior Loan Officer Survey as it provides real-time insight into how lenders view risk across borrower groups, both commercial and individual. For instance, survey results pertaining to commercial industrial loan underwriting is among our most predictive factors when it comes to default risk, which is why we include it in our KBRA Altman Corporate Default Rate Forecast. The quarterly survey draws responses from 75 domestic banks and 21 U.S. branches of foreign banks, and responses for the latest results were due April 2nd. Two sets of special questions were included in the latest go-round. One, how lending policies compare to pre-pandemic levels, and two, how lenders have approached commercial real estate lending over the past year. Overall, banks loosened lending standards to both businesses and individuals in the latest quarter, although interestingly, compared to pre-pandemic levels, banks have tightened underwriting standards for most categories of CNI loans and all categories of consumer credit. One exception was large bank lending to large investment-grade firms, where credit policies were eased, no doubt reflecting the Fed's explicit support for the sector through the central bank's buying programs. As for CRE lending, banks tightened standards on commercial mortgages and construction loans while leaving terms unchanged on multifamily loans. Now, given the effectiveness of the vaccines and the rollout, as well as over-the-top fiscal and monetary support, it makes sense that banks are loosening the credit taps, something bankers alluded to on their Q1 earnings calls. But to remain tighter across the board compared to pre-pandemic time, when growth slipped below 2% and the likelihood of recession within one year had climbed to 1 in 3, that surprised us. Now, it hardly seems like consumers or businesses are starved for credit today, as was the case post the GFC. And that suggests that the banks are finding it difficult to compete with the shadow banks, something we have talked about quite a bit on the podcast. In this bordering on desperate search for yield environment, it is the capital markets that are proving to be fierce competition for banks. Is it reckless competition where risk and reward are being compromised? Well, given where spreads and yields are, it's tough to argue that it's not. But we would counter that growth of the capital markets is always a good thing for credit. All right, on to our second thing, less shocking economic data. For a while there, economic data was blowing away estimates. Think of the March jobs report or a steady stream of manufacturing surveys. The kind of data that drove the Atlanta Fed's GDP Now estimate for real GDP growth in Q2 toward 14% a couple of weeks ago. But all of a sudden, things have settled down a bit. Maybe it's the shortages of materials that are holding back production of cars or the building of homes. 
Maybe it's the April jobs report that reminded everyone that, in the White House's words, the recovery is not likely to be linear. And we see it in the City Economic Surprise Index, which measures economic data surprises relative to market expectations. The latest reading is the lowest since June of 2020, when, yes, we were reopening to some extent, but we were also experiencing a second wave of infections. The index has now tipped below zero, which indicates that releases are now coming in on balance worse than expected. And look no further than the FOMC minutes released this week, which echoed what's been trending in the data. Quote, risks to the baseline projection for economic activity were skewed to the downside and that the uncertainty around the forecast was elevated, unquote. From our perspective, all of this is a reminder that disruption or friction from all sorts of places can find its way into economic output, even in super-fast-growing economies, super-fast at least by the U.S.'s historical standards. But that also means that we remain, again in the Fed's words, far from maximum employment and price stability goals. And somewhat ironically, we take comfort in this, reassured that the risks of overheating remain in check. And that, too, is good for credit. All right, on to our third thing, the rise of solar. The U.S. is firmly in the midst of the energy transition story, where we are shifting away from fossil fuels toward cleaner, renewable sources of energy. And I don't know if you know this, but solar has been on quite a tear. Since March 23rd, a year ago, the day the Fed stepped in to backstop credit markets, the Invesco solar ETF has ridden 132% doubling the price change of the Russell 2000 over that time frame and tripling that of the S&P 500. And it has quadrupled the XLE, the Energy Spider ETF. In 2020, 43% of all new electric capacity added to the grid came from solar. And sales pipelines for residential solar additions are at record levels. Underpinning the growth of solar is improved technology, making solar more cost-effective, as well as investor and political support for this quintessential ESG-friendly energy source. Now, in credit markets, there are a few ways to invest in solar, most notably project finance or securitized pools of solar energy system leases or loans. And joining us today is Eric Neglia, Senior Managing Director and Head of Consumer ABS for KBRA to walk us through that side of the solar equation. Eric, welcome to the podcast. Thank you, Van. Pleasure to be here. So tell me about the emergence of residential solar loan ABS as a bona fide consumer loan sector. Sure, happy to. The solar loan sector started to take shape in 2016 as solar PV began accounting for a greater percentage of new electricity generating capacity. During this time, most residential installations were financed through leases and power purchase agreements. This changed by late 2019, when the solar loan became the primary financing source of residential solar systems, representing over 50% of residential market share of new installations. The solar loan market has grown rapidly in recent years. The residential solar loan market more than tripled from about $1.4 billion in 2016 to about $5 billion in 2020. And KBRA expects the 2020 run originations to outpace 2020. Key drivers for growth are a declining cost of solar system installations. Over the last 10 years, there was approximately a 70% drop in the overall cost of installations. Additionally, 
government incentive programs, such as the investment tax credit, led to greater financial incentives to switch to solar. The industry also has favorable tailwinds from growth, including the clean energy focus of the current administration, improving technology, and strong interest following power outages caused by natural disasters, including wildfires and hurricanes, which resulted in a growing desire for home energy independence and backup power. Terrific. Eric, so tell me about what's going on in Europe. I know you just did a webinar with Barclays. It had north of 100 registrants. We did. We had a very successful webinar last week. Um, as far as Europe, to date, we have seen no public activity and relatively little private activity in the European solar loan market. However, it's gaining momentum following strong European government support for renewable energy. We're also seeing the electricity prices increase and technology costs decrease, which makes the break-even payback period shorter and makes for favorable economics in support of solar power. Based on our dialogues with market participants in Europe, we expect the first European ABS to occur in the next 12 to 18 months. Got it. So tell me how active KBRA has been in the sector. Sure. KBR became active in the solar loan sector in 2016. We rated our first public ABS in 2017 through a $140 million transaction for Solar Mosaic. In total, since 2017, we rated nearly 8 billion of notes across 32 published and unpublished transactions for six different originators. KBR has 100% market share in the sector, rating all of the 27 public solar loan ABS transactions since the sector's inaugural issuance in 2016. In 2020, KBR rated 12 private and public deals totaling 3.6 billion, which is up 22% from 2019, despite the COVID-19 pandemic. Year-to-date issuance for 2021 is 1.25 billion from three different issuers, and we expect total issuance for the year to exceed 2 billion. Great, so let's, let's get into the weeds a little bit. Um, tell me how solar loan ABS is different from more generic unsecured consumer loan ABS. Sure. Solar loan ABS and unsecured consumer loans have a number of differences, with the first obvious one being the collateral supporting the notes. Residential solar loan ABS is secured by loans used by consumers to purchase rooftop solar energy systems on their homes. Unsecured consumer loans often result in incremental debt and additional monthly payment for the consumer, while solar loans result in incremental debt but replace their current monthly electricity payment. This savings concept is referred to as the value proposition of solar loans, meaning solar loans are designed so the monthly solar loan payment is lower than the monthly electricity payment prior to the installation of the solar energy system. This value proposition creates an incentive for the consumer to continue making payment rather than switching back to their higher cost utility provider. Interest rates are also a difference between the two products. Solar loans generally have interest rates between 2.99 and 9.99%, while unsecured consumer loans incorporate greater risk-based pricing and charge interest rates between 10 and 36%. The typical original term for solar loans are 10 to 25 years, while unsecured consumer loans are typically three to five years. The long-term nature of solar loans compared to unsecured consumer loans impacts the availability of full repayment credit performance data to date, as well as ABS structures and the weighted average life of the notes. Senior classes of unsecured consumer loans generally have weighted average life of less than one to two years, while senior classes of solar loans have a weighted average life of five to six years. 
All right, I think I got it. Um, so when you're rating solar loan ABS transactions, what are some of the hallmarks, Eric, of, of best-in-class issuers? Best-in-class issuers have a strong management team with experience in relevant aspects of running a company, including managing people, capital, and the operations supporting the solar loan process. Since solar loans are made to customers through an indirect sales process where a network of contractors sell and install the solar energy system, managing the engineering design, installation process, and contractor network is crucial to ensure loan quality, customer satisfaction, and to reduce the risk of mechanical breakdown during the life of the loan. In speaking with top tier originators, we are seeing an effort to stay in front of origination trends by offering new solar loan products and terms such as longer original term, promotional features such as interest only periods, and financing products such as solar plus storage, battery only, or electric vehicle charging stations. We're also seeing solar loan originators diversify into energy efficiency and home improvement loans. Best in class originators also invest heavily in the point of sale technology to ensure a flexible, fast, and transparent experience for the customer and contractor which creates loyalty and certainty for financing for their contractor network. With any consumer ABS transaction, borrower underwriting is critical. Lenders apply their credit criteria in making loan decisions, determining product offerings, and loan terms. Criteria typically considers the borrower's credit score, minimum income thresholds, and prior delinquency history on their debt. The last hallmark of a best-in-class issuer I'd mentioned in our discussion today is maintaining strong loan servicing. Many solar finance companies often outsource certain servicing and collection processes to experienced subservicers who handle invoicing, payment processing, collecting on delinquent accounts, among other functions. Maintaining proper oversight of a third-party service is important for customer satisfaction and to remain compliant with regulations. Uh, thanks for that, Eric. So where can investors find out more information? We just skimmed the surface of the residential solar loan ABS during this podcast, but investors can find a lot more detail on KBRA's website. Users just need to create a login name and password, and they'll have access to our pre-sale reports, surveillance reports, and research. Two recent solar loan reports worth highlighting are our solar sector overview. That was a report published in December 2020, which is a great primer on residential solar loan ABS. The other report called Residential Solar Loan Sector Update was published in January 2021 and goes into more detail on KBRA's rated transaction and discusses credit performance through the pandemic. Now, terrific. That's a great overview, Eric, and certainly should wet the whistle of investors and other market participants. If they haven't already gotten to know solar ABS, it sounds like it's worth coming up that curve. Thanks again for participating today. Thanks for having me. So there you have it. Three things in credit. One, the Fed's senior loan officer survey is out and the banks are loosening credit, but overall remain fairly cautious in their lending. Two, Citi's economic surprise index just hit the lowest point since June of 2020, something hardly consistent with fears of overheating. And three, solar energy has become the darling of the clean energy movement. Solar ABS is worth getting to know. As always, thanks for joining us. Don't forget to check in on KBRA.com for our latest rating reports and research. See you next week.